Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, we'll tell you when the next time we'll be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and seeing some football activities, plus the Raiders signed a veteran cornerback. We'll tell you who it is and what they could provide to the team. Plus, we'll talk about the Raiders' offensive line pro football focus, ranked them 1 through 32. We'll let you know where the Raiders came in at and... Well, what they could possibly do about their ranking, plus your calls and texts, will close out the show. It's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're the win as a Raider, pillaging just for fun. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find Locked On Raiders Podcast free and available on all platforms at Raider Nation. Before we get into today's show, I just got a shout out to those Golden State Warriors. Man, they had me stressed out on Monday night watching Game 5 versus Celtics, but they were able to pull it out. No Steph Curry hitting three-pointers. No problem. Andrew Wiggins came through like the first of the month. Klay Thompson had a couple big shots. Jordan Poole had some big shots. Yeah, it's all good. The Warriors lead the series now 3-2, to two, headed back to Boston. Game 6 on Thursday, they could close things out and bring home another championship to the Bay Area. So, uh, yeah, man, had to get that out because, man, was just on the edge of my seat all Monday night watching that game. But, man, this uh, NBA Finals has been fantastic. And uh, this is kind of how I anticipate the AFC West being this year, right? Fantastic. Just kind of sitting on the edge of your seat throughout the course of the the game and the season as well, just kind of seeing how it all shakes out as every team in the division looks like it's going to be really good. But let's go ahead and get into some Raider news now that I shouted out them Golden State Warriors again. Hopefully they get it done. Don't play around. Get it done Thursday night in Boston. Well, we found out on Monday that OTAs are done. Done deal records. We were supposed to be out there today for the second day of OTAs, and that is not happening. And I don't even believe that they had any OTA activity on Monday. I I don't know that for a fact, but we did find out word that the Raiders were canceling OTAs, and it's done. So everything is shut down. When we saw mandatory minicamp last week, and it closed up on Thursday, and I mentioned on the podcast on Monday that there was going to be a lot of guys that weren't going to be there for OTAs, the Raiders said that's a wrap you know don't have to worry about OTAs Uh, we're just worried about training camp so now everything is done until training camp and that's going to be I believe July 19th so if you look at the calendar it's June 14th and I know it feels like training camp is a long way away it's literally like a month away in a month we're going to be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center we're going to be sweating our backsides off and we're going to be able to bring you Everything that we see, everything that we hear, uh, have a lot of media availability with coaches and players. And so that's going to be exciting to see how this team is start to put together. But again, everything is done from now until the beginning of training camp. And as I believe it is, July 19th is when all that gets started. You know, it kind of felt that way that they were going to shut down OTAs or it didn't. I mean, I'm not going to say that I thought that they were going to shut down OTAs, but with the way that they closed out mandatory minicamp, it kind of felt like it was done, right? I mean, they had an indoor practice. It was shorter. Uh, They got all the guys to the podium pretty quickly. They got in and out of there. And so it wasn't like a big to do. So it kind of felt like things were getting wrapped up, but we still knew that they had the two days of uh, OTAs left. And again, 
again, those are voluntary. So not a big deal that they're shutting this thing down. Uh, I'm just excited to get to training camp. And again, that's about to be a month. So it feels like this whole offseason, maybe because the Raiders have had so much news and notes and like so many things going on from getting Devontae Adams to getting Chandler Jones to giving Max Crosby a contract extension, Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro. We're waiting on Darren Waller. I mean, for the most part, this whole offseason has really flown by. And so it makes it that much more exciting knowing that training camp is right around the corner. So done deal records on all kind of practice until about July 19th. Also on Monday, the Raiders signed cornerback Chris Jones, and it's so funny. I got an alert from my guy Jordan Schultz, who uh, used to work for Yahoo, but he really covers sports like a glove, NBA, NFL, just about everything. He's a really good insider, and usually when he hears something, he'll send me a direct message on Twitter and say, hey, this is what I'm hearing is happening. So he said, the Raiders are signing Chris Jones, and I said, whoa, Chris Jones, because I'm immediately thinking about the defensive lineman that plays for the Chiefs, and I was like, wait, hold on. What are you talking about? He said, signing cornerback Chris Jones. And in fact, that's what happened on Monday. The Raiders signed the six foot, 200 pound quarterback. He's in his fourth NFL season. He spent time with the Lions, the Cardinals, Minnesota, and Tennessee. He's played in seven games for the Titans, had five tackles and one pass defense. He appeared in nine total games in 2020, eight games with three starts for the Vikings, and recorded 19 tackles. And in 2019, he played in a career high 11 games with three starts for the Cardinals, compiling 18 tackles and 16 passes defense. And I know some people are looking at it and saying, and hey, that's a really good sign, and I think that, you know, he could do something. Look, that guy is going to provide competition. They brought him in because, well, they're, they got to get healthy at the cornerback position. Of course, Trayvon Mullen is still out. We'll see if he starts training camp uh, out there uh, on the practice field or if he's, you know, on the pub list to start the training camp. But this guy, Chris Jones, will provide some kind of competition. Maybe he'll make it. Maybe he won't. But I uh, reached out to Teron Davenport from ESPN, who covers the Tennessee Titans like a glove, and that's who Chris Jones uh, played for last season. I just asked him, I said, hey, man, uh, Give me some thoughts on Chris Jones. He's signing with the Raiders. He played with the Titans last season. And his exact words were, mostly just a practice squad player. He was activated for a few games, but nothing of significance. So that was it. And again, I know that guys out there that think that this is a really good signing, and maybe it's going to be, but from a guy in Toronto Davenport who covered the Tennessee Titans like a glove, he's basically saying, not a big deal. It's just, just another guy. It's a jag. Just another guy, right? And that's okay. You know, because again, the more competition you have, the more reps that you're going to need out there, you're going to be able to need to take some reps from the guys that you anticipate being the starters. I still think that they need some veteran help at the cornerback position that's not named Chris Jones that might be someone else but really at this stage of the game there's not really anybody out there to go get you know I was pounding the table pretty hard for James Bradbury because really he was one of the last of the Mohicans out there that was available and so now that he's not available now he's playing for the Philadelphia Eagles it's pretty much a wrap man it's pretty much that the Raiders got to roll with what they have and and see what happens you know see what sticks you know maybe Rocky Asin is the guy maybe Trayvon Mullen surprises us all and stays healthy all season long you know maybe someone else maybe Averett steps up I mean there's a lot of different possibilities so you know it's just it's all gonna have to shake out it's all gonna have to play out in training camp and that's all it could really do right so uh, that that's basically the news and notes that rolled out from uh, from Monday when it comes to the silver and black. Again, I'm still anticipating a Darren Waller, some kind of contract extension, whether it's a one, two-year deal, whether it's some kind of guaranteed money added to the contract that he has right now. I'm expecting something to come down the pipeline with Darren Waller. I don't know what it's going to be, but like I said, I'm definitely anticipating something. So I think that it should happen before training camp. It makes sense, right? Why would you, why would you uh, have it? happen in training camp or wait till like in season you want you want the guy to come to camp and you want him to be happy so I don't think that they, he'll miss camp I thought he would hold out at first but I don't think he's going to miss camp because the, the fines are so significant if you miss you know you can get fined a lot of money and if you're 
you know, holding out because you want more money. Why would you want to give money away? And you can't forgive them anymore. It used to be when guys got fined and they were holding out, once they came to an agreement on their contract extension, uh, the team could just kind of wipe that that fine away. But now that it's in the CBA, that fine has to be uh, paid. So I don't think that that's going to happen. But why would you want a guy to come to camp who's angry and upset because his contract's not taken care of? So I do think that the Raiders' front office is going to do something for Darren Waller. I don't know what it's going to be, and I don't know when it's going to be. But I do anticipate it happening before training camp gets started. And that's all I really got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. A couple news and notes from uh, from Monday and Monday afternoon. Coming up in segment number two, going to talk about pro football focus and the way that they rank the offensive lines 1 through 32. Where do the Raiders come in? What do they say about them? How many different levels is it to this game when it comes to pro football focus and offensive line ranking? We'll explain all that in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast after I tell you about BlueNile.com. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments, from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. They have simple online tools that let you choose a diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Don't worry. Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Available by way of phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Right now, make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and all listeners of the Lockdown Raiders podcast will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Plus, Every order is insured, it ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free. Find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about offensive line rankings according to Pro Football Focus. I've said it a million times before. I'll say it a million times again. Pro Football Focus is not the end-all, be-all. It's not gospel just because they say something, but it's a good measuring stick in my, as far as I'm concerned. It kind of lets you know what the you know what the national crowd is thinking uh, about a certain part of teams. And right now, at this time of year, as I mentioned in segment number one, there's about a month in between now and, and when training camp is going to get started for most teams across the league including the Raiders there's going to be a lot of lists there's going to be a lot of rankings there's going to be tiers there's going to be this that and the other you know what I mean there's a lot of dissecting of teams right now because again there's not a whole lot of action unless you hear about a guy getting traded or you hear about a guy getting signed or even a guy getting released and so there's going to be a lot of these lists and stuff like that being put out so Michael Renner from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Mike uh, put out this piece and I'm actually going to have him on my radio show this afternoon at 2.30 Pacific Standard Time to talk about it and I'm going to pick his brain I got a few questions that I want to ask him so if you want to kind of get a t- continuation of this conversation tune in then at 2 30 uh, to hear his answers and, and hear what I have to ask him about because I do have a few questions when it comes to this list now they ranked them in tiers again this is called the 2022 NFL offensive line rankings Eagles Buccaneers among tier one teams ranked them in tiers tiers one through six Tier 1, minor or no weaknesses. Tier 2, high floor. Tier 3, high-end potential. Tier 4, at least one good tackle. Tier 5, uninspiring. Tier 6, problematic. So those are how all 32 teams are ranked in the league, according to Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. So let's cut right to the chase. Where does he have the Raiders ranked? Well, he, unfortunately for the silver and black, 
has them ranked in tier six, the very last tier, which is problematic. They're ranked 29th out of 32. The only teams that are worse than them are the Steelers, the Bears, and the Seahawks. And Mike puts in this piece, projected starting lineup. And that's a question right there, right? None of us really know what the starting lineup is going to be. Only thing I know is that the left tackle, Colton Miller, is going to be there. Everyone else, I feel like, is up in the air. But I did find what he, uh, what he put out there in his projected starting lineup. I found it to be pretty interesting. He projects left tackle will be Colton Miller. Left guard will be Denzel Good. Remember, he's coming back from a torn ACL. He tore that week one in 2021 against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, that Monday night football game at Allegiant Stadium. He tore it early in the, in the game. So Denzel Good missed all of 2021. We've seen him out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center while we were out there for mandatory minicamp. We saw him doing a little bit of stretching to the side, but we never saw him working out. So he has Denzel Good at the left guard position. Center, he has Andre James. At the right guard position, Dylan Parham, the third-round rookie out of Memphis. He has him slid in at that right guard position, and then he has that right tackle, which is, of course, the million-dollar question, who's going to be the starting right tackle? He has second-year guy, Alex Leatherwood, and he said the Raiders can easily outplay this ranking, but it all comes down to Alex Leatherwood's development. The 2021 first-rounder finished as the second-lowest-graded starting guard last season. However, he's not a guard and should always have been Las Vegas's right tackle. He'll most likely get that shot this year with third-rounder Dylan Parham now in the fold. And the reason why this is interesting to me, because anyone who's heard me for a second or two knows that I continue to pound the table thinking Alex Leatherwood needs to stay inside and be that starting right guard and hope that you can get the best of him just because I don't believe in him that much as a tackle. But according to PFF underscore Mike, Michael Renner, he believes that he should never be playing guard and he should only be playing right tackle. So that to me is interesting. Of course, he was drafted to be the starting right tackle. Mike Mayock came out and said he's going to start day one if he doesn't hold up, then they'll kick him inside the guard. That's exactly what they ended up doing. And it looked like last week while we were out at practice, it looked like that he was going to get all the reps at the right tackle spot. And then the final day, that's when you saw Brandon Parker getting burned at that right tackle position as well. And matter of fact, you saw Alex Leatherwood and Brandon Parker bouncing back and forth, you know. And then, of course, they have Lester Cotton Jr. was also getting some burn of, at that, uh, that guard position, that right guard position. But uh, again, there could be multiple reasons why he's doing that. So I'm uh, not going to put a whole bunch of, uh, you know, stock into Lester Cotton Jr. I do think he could provide some quality depth. Maybe if he goes into training camp and he earns a position, then that's one thing. But in my opinion, no doubt about it Alex Leatherwood is either going to be the starting right tackle or the starting right guard one of those two I mean it's it's just that simple I don't think there's any scenario in where he's not starting in 2022 and and if he was then that would just scream that he's just the ultimate bust right but getting back to this list and these tiers again Mike has them located in tier six which is problematic I would argue and this is going to be one of the questions that I ask him when he appears on my radio show this afternoon how come they're not in tier four how come they can't be tier four which is at least one good tackle because last time I checked Colton Miller was a tackle and he's really good you know he's on his second contract he was the first guy that John Gruden drafted when he returned to the silver and black I wasn't a big fan of the drafting when they got him when he came out of UCLA, I thought that he was going to be a guy that at the best he was going to be a guard. He ended up turning into a really good left tackle. And you know what you're going to get from Colton Miller. And that's the one guy that we know right now as we look at the offensive line, we know he's going to be starting at left tackle. So I'm going to ask him about could the Raiders possibly be tier four? Now, to his credit, he did say in his opening statement, the Raiders can easily outplay this ranking and then talks about Alex Leatherwood. I'll say this as well as far as outplaying the ranking. If you go back a year ago, and this is something that I I questioned and I threw out there on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Monday, this was kind of my, my show topic, was 
even if the Raiders are ranked 29th, even if they do have a piss poor offensive line, like basically he's saying as they are problematic in tier six, could they still make a run? You know, I mean, that's going to be dangerous because this division that the Raiders are playing in, the AFC West, is going to be tough. They've got a lot of edge rushers, a lot of guys that can get to the quarterback in the division. Every team has bookend guys that can get to the quarterback. So even if they they are ranked 29th, I do believe that they can find a way to scheme it up and play around it. Because if you think about a year ago, who was just in the Super Bowl? It was the Rams and the Bengals. Well, look at the Bengals. Look how bad their offensive line play was. Look how many times Joe Burrow was sacked. He was sacked 51 times. That was a franchise record. Who knows how many times he actually got hit, but he got sacked 51 times. Derek Carr was sacked a year ago 40 times. So that kind of lets you know where the Bengals and the Raiders kind of ranked and and where they were as far as their offensive line play a year ago. And you remember the Raiders' offensive line early in the season couldn't open up any holes for Josh Jacobs to run through. So you've got to also think that, hey, this offensive line is going to need to be a little bit better to allow some holes for the running backs. And they have a plethora of running backs, but they're going to want to they're going to want to be able to run the rock as well as throw the ball around the yard. But just getting back to the pass protection, obviously, that's most important, right? With all the weapons that the Raiders have, you want to be able to keep Derek Carr clean. But look, the Cincinnati Bengals were able to find a way to make it work. Even though Joe Burrow got sacked, what, in the playoffs nine times against Tennessee, still found a way to win that game because the defense turned them over three times, came away with three interceptions off Ryan Tannehill. So it's not saying that you can't be successful with a bad offensive line. It's just less than ideal. That's not what you want. You want to be able to have a top-flight offensive line to protect that quarterback and give Derek Carr an opportunity to get the ball to Waller, Adams, Renfro, or others. Brandon Bolden out of the backfield. I mean, something like that. You know, I mean, you're going to want to have them have that opportunity and have that time to make it happen. So uh, I'm just going to basically ask Mike later on this afternoon, how many different ways do you think the Raiders could either scheme it up or just work around uh, the holes at the offensive line? And how much does he think that's going to hurt them? You know, I go back to uh, a lot of different rankings that we've seen as far as uh, where people think that the Raiders are ranked in the AFC West. And all the time we hear them being the worst team in the AFC West, the fourth team in the AFC West. It goes back to the offensive line play as well. You know, a lot of these uh, people that are making these rankings, a lot of these national outlets are also looking at that offensive line saying, you know what, that's the big question. Anyone that I've ever had on my show from the moment that the Raiders, you know, went into the offseason, picked up Devontae Adams, everyone's question to me is, yeah, but Q, what have they done about the offensive line? They have failed to address and upgrade that offensive line from what it was a year ago. Yeah, they, they upgraded the weapons, and they can get the ball out of Derek Carr's hand really quickly. He does that anyway. He's really good at that, but... I mean, you want big plays. You want big plays to develop. Big plays aren't going to develop if he doesn't have time to get the ball out of his hand. So that offensive line is going to be a big question. And according to Pro Football Focus, right now they have him ranked 29th. Obviously, that's the worst offensive line in the AFC West, in the division. And, you know, they'll have to work around that if they can't then it may, be, it may be a long season or not even a long season. It may just be one of those seasons where what could have been, should have been, wasn't because they weren't able to protect one Derek Carr. Now, again, it's only June and training camp is not till late July. July 19th is when that thing starts. So they have time to go out there and address the offensive line with a veteran. They just haven't done it yet. And then I look back and say, well, is there really a, a great quality guy out there that's going to make that big of a difference? Again, Daryl Williams from Buffalo is a guy that I look at first and foremost, but is he going to be the dude that makes you know the big difference? And now I know there's a situation brewing in New England that I'm paying attention to. I'm lightweight paying attention to. I'm actually trying to get someone on the show to talk about it. Isaiah Wynn may be available, and that would be have to be way of trade, but 
he might be available, and that might be something that GM Dave Ziegler is working on. That's not something I'm hearing. I'm just seeing the tea leaves when uh, people that cover the Patriots are saying that Isaiah Wynn may be on the move, and, and there might be a chance that a team is, it, it trades for Isaiah Wynn. I'm thinking, I wonder if the Raiders would pull that trigger. I wonder if they would make that move. I wonder if that's what they're waiting for, why they haven't addressed the offensive line uh, more than they have. And, and all they've really done is draft Dylan Parham and then uh, Thayer Munster out of uh, Ohio State, and they got him in the seventh round. So, you know, Parham is the guy I expect to get some burn uh, this year. I expect him to hold down one of those spots, either the left guard or the right guard. And who knows if he battles it out with Andre James, maybe that center position. But I do expect him to get some play. Um, I don't know where Thayer is going to play this year, if anywhere. He might just be some healthy competition, some good depth, and hopefully he could develop. I think John Simpson's probably on the outside looking in. You know, I don't think that he's going to be a guy that's probably even going to be around. I don't think he's just quite developed enough unless they hold on to him for, like I said, for depth, for quality depth, to have a backup. He, he could easily, I could see him easily being on his way out and maybe Jermaine Illuminor taking the spot of, of John Simpson because Illuminor is familiar with that New England system. So uh, I, I'm not sure about the numbers. I have to look back at the roster to see exactly how many offensive linemen are currently on the roster. There may be a place for Simpson to stick around. Uh, I just don't think he's going to get burned like he did last season. <laughs> You know, he played all year because Richie Incognito wasn't available. So uh, I think that that's pretty interesting. So I, I'll throw the question out there to you at uh, 707-654-4693. Do you think the Raiders could go on a run, really win as many games as their offense looks like they could win if their offensive line is 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 one of the bottom offensive lines in the league? If they are ranked 29th out of 32, do you think that Josh McDaniels could scheme them up and work around it, even though they have the deficiencies at the offensive line, similar to what we saw from the Cincinnati Bengals a year ago, when despite giving up 51 sacks, which is a franchise record, they still found a way based off the strength of their offense and key opportunistic turnovers created by the defense still found a way to get into the Super Bowl. So that's the question that I'll ask you again. 707-654-4693. That's the Locked On Raiders podcast voicemail line. Your calls and texts are coming up next after I tell you about betonline.net. And betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. They got the latest sports development, news, odds, and more. They got the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Final, Major League Baseball. They got the fighting news from MMA, UFC, and even boxing. Betonline.net is your continued source for all your sports wager and information. They got live betting esports and a whole lot more you got to go to the website today on your laptop or your mobile device learn about the trends and all the action betonline.net that's where the game starts your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a text from King Raider in L.A. Say, what up, Q? King Raider here in L.A. Man, we taking care of the house. Got Renfro. All we got to do now is extend Waller. And, man, that three-headed monster is ready to rock and roll, and so am I. I also wouldn't mind OBJ making a four-headed beast, but we also just signed a quarterback, Chris Jones. I don't know how much they got left to spend. And on the regards to Jonathan Abram, just get Lester Hayes to get a hold of him for a month. He'll get that technique in his head. Best believe, because I hope he does have a killer season. Keep doing your thank you. Always great podcast, brother. Appreciate you. You're definitely my first listen each and every day. Have a great week. And Raider Nation, just win, baby. That's from King Raider in L.A. And uh, as far as extending Waller, I'm expecting that to happen sooner rather than later. I really do. I think that's going to happen before the training camps uh, opens up on July 19th. And I don't know what kind of deal they're going to give him, but I just expect some guaranteed money to keep him happy. That's what I think it's going to be. Uh, as far as signing OBJ, I just don't think it's really worth it. 
I mean, think about it. He tore his ACL on the Super Bowl. So he's not going to start the season uh, on, on, the, on the roster. He's going to start the season on the pup list, if that. He may miss the entire season. I mean, if anything, he's going to be probably available for what, the playoffs? you got to make it to the playoffs first. I just don't think that that would be smart spent money. I think that he ends up back in L.A. I, I just I don't, I don't see the need for the Raiders to go get him. I've heard that a few times, but I just don't think that that makes a whole lot of sense. As far as Chris Jones goes, uh, again, I talked about him in segment number one. He's just uh, another cornerback to add some competition to that room, which I think is a good thing. So uh, we'll see what happens. And you, just like me, Rooting for Jonathan Abram to have a big year. And as I mentioned him on the show on Monday on Raider Nation Radio 920, I just want to see how he's used. That doesn't mean that I don't like him. It just means I'm questioning how Patrick Graham and company are going to use him. That'll be one of the things I look at when training camp opens up. I'll be paying attention to the offensive line, and I definitely want to see how Jonathan Abram is being used by one Patrick Graham. Thank you so much for that text. Let's get another text in real quick. How about this one from Raider Black? Say, what's up, Q? Just listened to Friday's podcast, and I heard about Drake's event for Clef Pallets. Was he aware that Zamir White went through that growing up? Was he involved? Just seems like something to get the rookie more integrated in the team, participating in something he has an interest in. That's from Raider Black, and thank you so much for that text. And, yeah, someone else brought that to my attention uh, on Friday uh, after they heard the interview with Drake. And, and, you know, I don't know if Zamir White was involved in the event. I didn't stay. I got there before the event started. It was at the S-Bar inside of Mandalay Bay, and I got there before it got started, and we actually – I did the interview outside, so I didn't go in and hang out. There was a couple like camera guys that did. They stuck around and, and did some videos and all that other stuff, but I don't know what I had to get to the house for, but I had to get to the house, and uh, so I didn't go and stay in that event. Plus, I mean, it was one of those, you know, fancy, you got to be all dressed up and everything, and I definitely was not. I just came from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, so I was out there at practice and, you know, all sweaty and everything, so I definitely wasn't trying to do that. So I don't know if Zamir White was uh, involved in it, but it would have really been cool if he was since that is something that he went through growing up. So that's a good point that you brought up. Thank you so much, Raider Black. Definitely appreciate you. Next up, I got a call from Raider Myth. He's calling out the 408. He's talking about the Jamarcus Russell Player Tribune article, speaks on why he is a bust, like everyone has said, and then he has a question about running an organization. Should they run it like a business or a mom-and-pop situation where they hold on to fan favorites? Here he is, Raider Myth. Yo, 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 cute. It's your boy, Raider Myth. Calling from the 408 once again. Uh, I just wanted to put my two cents in for this article, man. Uh, it's honestly, it basically is running around the word bust and him kind of saying like, well, you know, I I was going through things and, oh, you know. <laughs> okay, I understand that part. But growing up, 2007, I was maybe like, what, fifth grade? The first jersey I got or like as a graduation present was to Marcus Russell. And I was like, oh, cool, now I have a jersey. Whoa, cool. But then I saw him when we were super, super desperate for a quarterback. Him come in as a third-string quarterback, as a first-rounder, throw a meatball into just the abyss of the field. I was like, what? Well, okay. It was like, that solidified the word bust. Like, that just completely was his worst. Like, all of it. All of it just is the difference between your performance when you play, and that's where the, the word bust is attached to. And that's what he was, and he is, and you know he was whatever, what he, whatever he is now, is whatever he is now. I'm sorry that he went through all that stuff or whatever, but he was known as a bust, and he is a, he was a bust. Now that's it. That's as simple as that. Yeah, I feel like he's putting a bandit on something and then ripping it back off. Like it was unnecessary to bring his stuff back up. But anyways, um, um, I got this uh, cool question, man. Do you feel like? I mean, I want. I just gonna want to hear your opinion on this. Um, do you 
think running a, a football team as a business or more kind of like a family oriented in a sense of like keeping fan favorites, keeping like big names or stuff like that. Um, I'll give you an example. One of them is the Sharks. Um, you know, growing up here in the Bay, I feel like they overstayed their welcome with a lot of the named players. Um, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, they made the playoffs all those years, but I feel like they handicapped themselves just because they had those, those players that they've always been there and they never really hit that extra level because they were more like their back office is all like former players, their owners, former players. Like you got, we, they got to cut the cord somewhere. You know what I'm saying? But a counter to that is also the Oakland A's, where they liquidate every asset, every asset, any glimmer of hope that the fans have of them actually doing something, they, they liquidate it. They, they trade them or, you know what I'm saying? So there's, you know, I, I want to kind of hear your opinion on as far as like, do you rather like run a team as a business or more like former players like stay in house and that's how you'll win championships? Uh, you know, if that makes any sense, uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on. In my opinion, I think the Raiders are really in the middle as far as, like, how their business is ran, but more on the business side. And I think that's what's going to lead them to just success. They were family, family, like, super, like, oh, let's keep fan favorites, stuff like that. Um, but I feel like the more of the business side is now happening with the Raiders, and I think that's what's going to be their success from now on. And I just want to hear your opinion on that. But, yeah, I'll cut it out from there. But, all right, Raider Myth out. Raiders! There he goes. Raider Myth right there. <clears throat> there he goes. That's Raider Myth. Thank you for the call, my man. I definitely do appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, when it goes back to Jamarcus Russell, as I mentioned on Monday's show, man, I mean, look, he failed in the NFL because he failed in the NFL. It didn't have to do with what the Raiders organization did. It had to do with what he didn't do. I mean, it was all a lack of effort. Now, again, we talk about organizations and we talk about uh, players going to good organizations and setting them up for success. And even if the Raiders didn't do that, which I'm not saying that they did 100%, they tried to help him out. They tried to get some weapons around him. They drafted Darren McFadden to be one of his best friends. You know, they had Zach Miller, which was a very, you know, a very uh, good at the time tied in. You know, he was a guy that that at least you could count on him you know and they didn't have all the pieces in place but Jamarcus Russell didn't do himself any favors and there was a reason why when he left the Raiders organization you didn't see him play anywhere else you know I mean he did that to himself so uh, you know I I read that piece and yeah I never want anyone to go through anything and I never like people when they lose uh, you know loved ones around them and all that other stuff I get that we all go through adversity but man how do you battle through adversity and he didn't and all he did is make excuse after excuse after excuse why he couldn't battle through adversity and so to me that's that's on him as far as how do you run an organization mom and pop approach was great back in the day right when the Raiders were ran early back in the day early in their organization by Al as a mom and pop organization and they had all the the greats hanging around and part of the franchise in front of the office front office and coaching staff and all that that was great because then you can get away with that because talent was just going to, you know, out, outdo every, everything else. Now there's so much that goes into running an organization, you just can't do it like that. You know, again, you just can't keep up with the rest of the league when you're still running stuff like a mom-and-pop type situation. Again, it's always great. It always feels good when it's a mom-and-pop-like situation, but you just can't do it in, in, in modern era football. You just can't. There's way too much that goes into it. One person can't do it. You've got to have a really good team. And when I mean team, I'm not talking about guys on the field. I'm talking about 
GM, assistant GM, scouts, you know, all these different coaches, everything that goes into it, a capologist, a guy who writes the contracts, a guy who does this, a guy who does that, you know, the, um, you know, like the PR guy. I mean, it, everyone has a role. And if you can't fill those roles with good quality people, your organization is not going to be top notch. And that's what the Raiders are attempting to do. Are they there yet? No. But they're at least headed in the right direction. They're getting their business side of things taken care of. Now they got to make sure that, you know, PR is right. They got to make sure that everything that they have is all buttoned up tight. And that's what they're attempting to do. I know that for a fact that that's what they're attempting to do. And I think that this new regime that they have makes a lot of sense. I'll even say this. It's hard these days to have people that are close to the organization involved with the organization, like how the Raiders always had uh, guys in the front office like Marcel Reese. You know, he's there. It's hard to have guys that have ties with the organization involved with it because they do have it, it means so much to them. So instead of being able to just to say like, hey, that's not right. We shouldn't be doing stuff like that. They may get caught up in the, oh, well, you know, this is kind of the Raiders way and this is what we do as an organization. And once a Raider, always a Raider. And I'm not saying Marcel Reese is doing that. I'm just naming him because he's there. I just think that sometimes you need people that don't have any ties to the organization so they can step up and say, yeah, you know what? You're doing this wrong. This shouldn't be done this way. We got to make smarter decisions than this. That's why you need to have some of those guys involved as well. So, yeah, you can't really run things anymore like a mom and pop type store. So uh, thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Let's get a text in from Ben out of Napa. He says, yo, Q, first time reaching out, but I'm a big fan of the show. The Raider Nation just got a new lifelong fan. On Saturday, my wife and I gave birth to our son, and my first time holding him, I made sure to play the autumn win. I can't wait to watch games on Sundays with him, just like I did with my dad growing up. There's only one nation. That's Raider Nation. Just win. Keep up the good work. That's Ben from Napa, a new booty here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. And congratulations to you and your wife, man. Uh, that's awesome that you have a new member of the family. And, of course, raising, raising your son right right <laughs> raising your son right to be a Raider fan that's the only way to do it man you got to start him off young so you played that autumn win that's awesome man and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun Sundays for you watching football games with your son and uh, I remember watching football games with my son I remember going out to my dad's boat and listening to Raider games while he was fishing I was just listening to the games I mean that's the kind of memories that you want to have right so definitely uh, embrace them hold on to every one of them because man they'll grow up so fast again congratulations to you and your wife and uh, thanks for sharing that with us here on the Locked all Raiders podcast. So on that happy note, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, we'll take more calls and texts on tomorrow's show. Of course, 707-654-4693. That's the Locked All Raider podcast voicemail line. Got plenty of calls and texts to get to. We'll have more news and notes of the day and plenty of conversation as well. And I'll definitely let you know what Mike Renner, PFF underscore Mike, has to say about the Raiders offensive line as he has them ranked 29th. I talked about that in segment number two. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, stay safe, take care of yourself, take care of your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.